Uh, welcome back to the Black and Blue podcast. I'm Ken Wadike from the Free Hugs Project and... Chris Swanson, Sheriff, man. Yeah, so we're going to open this episode with a, uh, a really difficult video to watch, but it's it's going to set the tone for what we're going to discuss here. Um, if, if you're not comfortable with seeing really violent situations, feel free to skip past this intro video and then jump into the discussion of the episode. Put it down now! Put the guy down! Drop the gun now! Um, I, I feel like there's so many things to unpack in that, in that video. And I remember watching that video some years ago when it happened. And I remember feeling so heavy, like I didn't want to watch that. I kind of didn't want to watch it again right now. Honestly, it's like, that's, that's some heavy stuff. A couple of things to unpack. Um, but first starting with, especially because this is the black and blue podcast, I think something that a lot of black Americans struggle with is when they see videos like that, that becomes the example of overextended grace and mercy that was offered to that man Mm. that led to the officer losing his life. And we feel like in our community, similar grace, not even to that extent, right? Mm -hmm. To letting him go back in the car and all of that. That's just crazy. But it just seems like just a slight shift of the hand or a slight body movement, bam, 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 you're seeing black Americans get killed. And so when we watch a video like that, that is the complete opposite of what we're used to seeing when it comes to our community, I think that's part of what makes that hurt us a lot because we're like, we're not treated anything like that. You know, we joke around actually just before this episode started, me and the guys were talking about um, the headline had just come out that the Capitol officer who shot the woman that tried mm-hmm. to jump through the window or breach the um, Capitol, that there won't be any charges. And I'm looking at that like, duh, obviously there shouldn't be 
any charges. She knew exactly what she was doing when she tried to breach that. And and we were talking about how um, in that moment, was there this like thing in her head where she feels like I'm a white woman, there's no way they're gonna shoot me. And they did, right? Because I was saying how, if that was me, first of all, if I see a gun in my face as a black guy, I'm done. I'm stopping, mm. hands up in the air, don't shoot, right? But for her, was there this they're not gonna shoot me, just like this guy right here in the video. Mm. He's dancing around. Shoot yeah. me, mother effers, do yeah. whatever you can, right? That is not a thought in any of our mind. We think, oh yes, they are going to shoot me, right? And so we're very nervous in, in those sort of moments. So I think that's the, the first thing that I wanted to unpack there in seeing that. And number two, which I think you can speak to a lot, is the, the lack of training that appeared mm. to take place in that moment, I'm sure you can point out so many mm. wrong steps that I wouldn't even recognize as an officer. I just know that I can look at that and say, I don't think that's how you handle a traffic stop, right? So I, I'm very curious what some of those those steps were that um, you feel were mishandled in that stop. So first of all, uh, to paint the picture, that was a 1998 shooting. So mm -hmm. 24 years ago from the time we're doing this, it was in Georgia. The deputy, uh, 22 years old, Dink Heller is his name, and uh, he had a wife and two kids, and the suspect uh, was a, as you saw in the video, uh, Vietnam vet, um, was arrested shortly after the shooting and then executed 17 years to the day of that shooting yeah. in Georgia. Um, I was not expecting your reaction yeah. when you said that, which it, it, it proves to me that in the last 24 years, we have come a long ways mm -hmm. of policing perception in America. Uh, in the 90s, we had the Rodney King incident, yes. um, you know, the, the Malice Green in Detroit. Mm -hmm. But there seemed to be a, a, like a lull where it, there was kind of like a quietness and then just most recently it yeah. exploded again. But you bring up a great point. If that was today, I can't say I disagree that they would give that much time. Yes. Especially when someone, and not just the dancing and yeah. the shoot me mother effer, loading up an M1 carbine. Oh, come on. Yeah. And uh, so I have to say the, for the first point, I, um, I I had to process when you're saying that because I didn't expect you to go that, yeah. which is the reason why we do this show. Totally. Because I have to understand the perception that if we're going to police, police has to be across the board. Yeah. Consistency. Fair and consistent. Yeah. And uh, which means like like that should never have gone that far then or now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for any race for of person, any race right yeah as to your training uh, per you know point this is one of the most uh, viewed training videos in law enforcement wow. in modern history because of all those things that could have should have would have done uh, the only person that knew why they didn't shoot is the one who was killed yeah. Deputy Dinkeller and this is not to um, diminish his service to the community and uh, his family, but it is has been seen as the Dinkettle video in order to make cops better. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess if there's a way for his death to be used in order to make law enforcement a better law enforcement, then we're still doing it to, even as this show. Yeah. But obviously when you have an engagement and the person's not following verbal commands and in fact being a uh, passive aggressor by yes. dancing, coming up, you mm -hmm. know, in your face, right then and there, hands on. Yeah. Like go hands on to people. We just talked about in a previous episode yeah. that police need to stop being scared to go physical mm -hmm. because the chances of killing somebody physical are a lot less than pulling out your gun and now you're you're engaged, so exactly. to speak. 
And then, of course, um, when the, the suspect goes back to the Toyota truck and starts loading up the rifle, and then I mean, at that point, done. he's committed. Yeah, yeah. That, that is a all the way to the top, Take fatal down. force, no matter who you are, because what else can you do with that carbine? Yeah. I mean, you're talking 1988. We didn't even have you know school shootings like we do now. Mm-hmm. We don't have mass shootings. So there's a totally different time of policing. Yeah. But my perception of that is... I think people, and, and, and you asked to do this show in one of our planning sessions to get into the mindset of why police are quick to do something mm-hmm. or not quick to do something and why training is so important, what the lack of training is. So I just thought we would at least start by saying a law enforcement's ultimate validation is how they perform in fatal situations. Yeah. I mean, that's what you are, uh, I would say, um, ultimately judged by. Can you pull the trigger right. or can you not pull the trigger because it's taking life or preserving life? Both of them are noble yeah. at the moment in time where that decision has to be made. Yeah. But it's always in the back of the mind and you see it. I mean, as of this recording, 97 police officers have been killed from January 1st till now, yeah. April the 14th, 2021. And last year, hundreds of police officers were killed and every year hundreds more are killed. Right. It's a reality that there's no other profession where it is expected mm-hmm. that you that could die. you're going to die, yeah. And uh, when, when and of course, obviously, military deployments, there's there's killed in the actions, and, and that's in the international theater. But locally, long, domestically, for mm-hmm. 30 years, officers are deployed with the chance of today could be the last day that I go to work and I could be killed in a car crash, ambushed, shot, um, uh, killed by COVID, yeah. which more officers died last year from COVID than any other cause of death. Wow. And it just brings it to reality is, it's almost like you need to go into this field knowing that I'm gonna do everything I can and know that it could take my life and I would be willing to give that. Yeah. That's why we celebrate May 15th as Police Officers Memorial Day. You know, that's why there's a memorial in D.C. that's guarded by four lions, uh, you know, where the law enforcement profession is still, as I said before, it's a noble profession. Mm-hmm. And, and people, you call 911 right now and cops are coming. Yeah. Someone that you don't even yeah. know. Like in the gonna... studio, there's there's four of us mm-hmm. and, and we're all, you know, family members and men and, and, and family dads and all that. But if there are shots fired downstairs, mm-hmm. I mean, it's my obligation to be the first one down there without running my car to get my battle armor, without calling for back. Like, go. Yeah. Like, that's expected. So I say all that because that video is a video that really brings it home to say, okay, let's put a pause in everything. Mm-hmm. Police officers, um, yeah. it's not uncommon for them to give their life. You all right? Yeah. Um I just wanted to silence that. I had oh. called Sabrina earlier. Oh, okay. And, um, you feel oh, like yeah. you just hey, said Sabrina. family man, yeah. right? Yeah, um, you got to make good? sure that. Yeah, I had just told her that I would call her later. Okay, and I forgot to. All right. And then no, when yeah. you said family man, and then my Ooh. phone started ringing, I was like, shoot, I was supposed to call my wife. Yeah, so, we do not but it's all good. Yeah, we don't even have to edit that out, Sabrina. I will call yeah, you later. I hear it for sure. <laughs> he will but, make but sure. I that's do. such a disturbing video. It really just sets the tone. That listen, I mean, and I ask. And I know everybody watches like, what are you doing? Shoot, 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 yes. you know? Or the other video we just did with Dante, like, like, why, why did you do why that? Why did you shoot? Yeah, like you're trained, weak hand, cross draw, taser, mm-hmm. strong hand, regular hand, yes. dominant hand, deadly force. Yeah. Oh, it, uh, speaking of what, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. When we were at uh, lunch right now, there was one of uh, the officers um, that had just explained that when we were at the table. Adam, do you remember his name? 
okay, and he was sitting next to you, right? But there was a there was a term that he used okay. that, yeah, it caught my my attention, right? Where um, there was a term that he used about why um, you all uh, cross draw. Muscle memory. Muscle memory. That oh, was yeah, what he yeah, said. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Can you yeah. weigh in on that a yeah, little bit? for, for sure. People, that are- uh, people woke up today that brushed their teeth. You didn't have to think, okay, now how do I do that? You wake up and you do it. You ever go to work so many times that you literally pull in the parking spot, you're thinking, I, I didn't know how I got here. Mm-hmm. That's muscle memory. Your body, it creates a pattern of normalcy that it just happens. Yep. And in law enforcement, we have a muscle memory because when you're in that sympathetic response, which is, is, was, is 0.1% of your entire life, most of your life is in a parasympathetic response, mm-hmm. which is low key, low impact, kind of grinding it out, just dealing with life. That 1% is fight or flight. Yeah. And at that point, you're not able to compute single digit numbers. You're only acting strictly on instinct. Yeah. So muscle memory is, is poured into law enforcement training that at that moment, you're making good decisions because you have already prepared your mind that this is what I'm going to do. That's right. not the time to train. That's what muscle memory is. Got so. It. In our taser training, we practice drawing all the time. I, I, I have my my weapon, and um, when I holster my weapon every morning, I'm popping that, just doing it. And I have a couple different holsters, so yeah. if I have a different weapon with a different holster, I'm make sure I practice that. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm focusing here, this is all autopilot. Yeah. I say that because this whole purpose of this show is to kind of get in the mindset of why law enforcement does what they do, but also challenge law enforcement that we have to be the very best that we've ever been before. So if you don't have muscle memory on pulling your taser, you better get good at it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be charged with second-degree manslaughter. Exactly. And you're going to lose your job. And you're going to be the poster child of the country. You better be good at giving verbal commands and not letting things get out of hand. But There was even something that he said at at lunch where um, he said he wants to know... um, did she have her right. firearm and um, and taser holstered next side. to each other, yep. right? Because he said, then that's a problem, yep. and that should be a problem with their department. Um, but also, uh, if if they don't have that policy, and she crossed over yep. to grab it, then he's like, then you're guilty already, because what would make you do that right. if you've been an officer 25, 26 yep. years? What would make you cross over and do that and then say, oh, I, I forgot, yeah. right? So there's a lot of missteps there, yeah. even in this Dante Wright yep. shooting that, that just took place as well. But I think back when uh, you have ever responded in a way that was pure um, sympathetic, mm-hmm. uh, I can think people relate you as well where you thought you were just about to get into an accident and you hit the brakes, you counter steered and it was over in a second and your heart's beating 100 beats extra per minute. You're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? You yeah. literally say, what just happened? Yeah, It's at that moment where you can't make logical decisions it yeah. just happens you know what actually happens and i'm glad that you brought that up because as uh, we're all fathers in this room there was a recent um meme that i saw and it was dads and moms on a roller coaster next to their kids yeah and they had snapped the photo and right at the moment of like the scariest part on the roller coaster every dad's hand crossed oh. over their kid right and so that's that muscle memory yes. that you talk about, right? Protect my child. And so there was a time, Sabrina and I, we were driving um, on the freeway and it was raining in San Diego and uh, I had lost control of the car. And as the car uh, started to swerve, muscle memory, yes. I held Sabrina up against her seat. And 
I think she was like fascinated that that was my first reaction because and you didn't she's think in about a seatbelt. I didn't even think about it. I knew the car yep. was losing control yep. and my first instinct, like what strength am I going to have yeah. to keep her from, from hitting the windshield? Yeah. Right, but that was the first thing I cared right. about. Protect your wife, yep. right? These dads on the roller coaster, yep. it was four dads and the picture shot and every that's single funny. dad holds his kid back on the roller coaster yeah. without any instinct. That's right. So that's that muscle memory that yeah. you're talking about to, to yeah. protect. And, and in our field, that muscle memory is the difference between professional police officers and what we've seen this last year of people that are just responding. And not all of it. I mean, Derek Chauvin, that had nothing to do with muscle memory. Yeah. That had to do with the arrogance and the cavalier attitude of, I'm going to do this and I don't care who's watching. Yeah. And and thank you for that because now it changed, you know, it impacted the whole, whole world. Totally. But... Police officers, you know, we have been told and trained and embedded in our head that we do what we need to do, but we need to come home. Mm-hmm. We need to come home. Just like I, uh, I love Steve Harvey, and he does a, a comedy bit when um, when he talks about being deployed. He's like, listen, my age group should never be drafted because I'm going <laughs> to tell you, whatever conflict, it's going to be different. Yeah. And he says, but when I go and I give encouraging com- comedy to the, uh, the troops, I always say, do whatever you got to do to get back home. Yeah. And uh, we have that mentality, same in any public service, you mm-hmm. know, because we're out there on the front lines yeah. and it's by, you know, it's a choice for an entire career. So the chances of us getting caught in a fatal situation, accident being number one, of course, aggression and assault, that are much greater than people that maybe don't deal with on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. I, on the way here, I'm listening to all my police calls and I'm thinking these are all people's tragedies that are coming one after another, after another, after another. Yeah. So we get the, we get the catch basin of all people's problems but mm-hmm. those people it may just be the one thing they've been dealing with and it won't happen again for 10 years yeah. cops every, every single day, day 2080 hours a year yeah. and then on the side note you, you got a chance of dying you got a chance of crashing because you're driving a hundred thousand plus miles a year yeah. and of those hundred thousand in all conditions all days and nights and on top of that, all the other cars you're going by, drunks, crashes on the side of the road. So the chances of death are much higher for a yeah. police officer than any other profession. Yeah. Plus the things that you guys see regularly. Like I would imagine how much that can screw up a person's mental. Just so having to see that. Just today I met with uh, two sergeants and uh, we had a sad, tragic situation. A 17-year-old high school student had a bad day at track yesterday mm. and went out to uh, the tree and, and killed himself with uh. a shotgun. And the dad found him coming home from work oh like goodness. how do you tragic for the dad he'll never ever recover from that the way he was before yeah. but when you see that literally dozens of times in a career you can't unsee that yeah um and i don't mean to be crass or or or, or, or insensitive, insensitive but yeah. you've got to desensitize yourself mm-hmm. to that I, i've used the, we've talked about an episode you know i've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dead bodies yeah. on all stages of decomposition and death and natural and violent death. And you wonder like, at what point is there a tipping point where like, listen, I, I, I might be screwed up from seeing all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We did talk about that back yeah. in, in my studio where yes. you were watching some videos and, and it was normal conversation yes. for you. And then you had looked over at me and you said, totally am I making mindset. you uncomfortable? And I was like, that's just not normal conversation for me. <laughs> like that's heavy stuff. That was a kind it. way of you saying, dude, that yeah. ain't right. Yeah. Like that's some messed up stuff. No, for, 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 I wasn't like, no, 
it wasn't anything, poking fun. It was just it, it was me. it was normal conversation right. for you. And I was just like, yo, that is not normal conversation. <laughs> but you right? gotta have that thick rhino skin, otherwise that stuff is gonna mess with your head. For sure. Imagine like today these two sergeants are gonna go home and, and the one has young kids. They're gonna mm-hmm. be like, Hey daddy, how's it going? And you can't be like, Hey, listen, I, I need a break because I, I got I got smell in my nose. Yeah. I've got brain matter on my boots. I'll oh, be man. there in a minute. Like that's a kind of, and, and that's just please. I mean, yeah. EMS was there, and of course, you know the medical examiner. It's but a lot. It's for, a reality that we choose a profession that requires such a high level of professionalism and expertise. Yeah. Nobody cares, and nobody says, "How much time do you have on the job?" Uh, two years. Okay, that I know you're going to make a two-year decision. They see an officer show up, and it's expected yeah. that whatever decision they make, it's the best decision, and all Always. things considered. Yeah, that's a high standard. It's it's a lot, you know, and especially with what you guys see. Lucy used the term at lunch today. She told me she wanted to read, uh, wanted me to read a book. I forget the name of the author, but it, it talks about a constant renewal of your mind. And uh-huh. I was telling her, I was like. I was just talking with Adam and the guys about that, that sometimes when I deal with too much heavy stuff, yep. my form of renewing my yep. mind is just stepping back and spending time with family. And then I had pointed over to you and I go see him, because you were on the side on, I think you were on a phone call, and I was like, when do they get to renew their mind or how do they renew their mind? Mm. Because they're constantly like, go, 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 every yep. officer at the table. And so Lucy and I were just sitting back talking and having this conversation and looking at all of you guys and literally as we're saying that another officer gets up from the table he takes a phone call another officer gets up Mm -hmm. and I'm like we don't have to do that we're just chilling enjoying (laughs) our food right because there's times where we can turn it all off yeah I'm not logging on social media I don't want to watch the news but for you guys you're going to death calls regularly right you can't turn off 911 you can't turn it off and so there's got to be that element of fear for you guys for your own lives and so I would love for you to get Mm. into like the reason for this letter that we have here today um Funeral info. What's the last word there? I, I Swanson. Can't read your writing. Funeral info. Swanson. Um, and I don't even like where this is going. Yeah. But it is sealed. And mm-hmm. um, are you gonna open it today? So what what he's seeing is a, a letter that I wrote 15 years ago, and um, it was a training that we had. And the trainer, I remember saying specifically to us, saying, "Hey, listen, when a police officer is killed in line of duty." It's so traumatic yeah. and it's so personal to the community that there's a small piece of everybody who loves what law and order stands for dies. That's not the time to burden your family with everything that needs to be done. Uh, at the time, my kids were in single digits. My wife was uh, you know, stay-at-home mom, which she still is, uh, but my boys are 22 and 20. And uh, they said, take and fill out this form and put it in your letterhead and seal it and put it in your safe. Yeah. And I did that 15 years ago. I even put a little swinky smiley face on it. <laughs> it Don't open sealed. it today then. But no, like no, I'm, I'm going to. No. I swear to you I am. Come on, man. I That's... even told Jamie why I'm going to do it. No, I don't I'm think... going to. And here's why. Because uh, Adam and I, uh, about a month or so ago, maybe two months ago, we were talking about this topic and I'm like, Adam, it breaks my heart. We said another episode, I'm so personal to this field of law enforcement that it's okay for me to die. Like, I, that's an honorable death. Uh, that's sad, though, man. Like, it, it just knowing that that you you can feel that way about your job, but that, that it's to the extent of having that. Yeah. I can tell you, as someone who goes into, like, really scary frontline situations, I'm always expected to make it home, so I don't have one of those. Yeah. And, like, 
I don't know. So I'm going to open this because I don't feel comfortable. You open yeah, this. Yeah, I know, thing. but it's going to happen. And Jamie said last night because I pulled it out of the safe and I said, and I laid it by my phone, charged it, and she's like, "What is that for?" And I told her the story. I said, "I'm going to open it," and she goes, "On air?" I said, "Yeah." And she goes, well, "What if it has personal stuff?" I said, "Listen, I'll use good discretion, Jamie." But my wife has accepted. And trust me, this is. There are 800,000 police officers in America today, so this isn't just me. This is a commitment that all police officers make, all firefighters make in, in, in military deployed that we are willing to give our life, EMS that puts your life. But I just wanted to tell my story. And so it says, funeral info for Swanson. That's the, my former sheriff. It's on his uh, his letter, and uh, I'm going to open it up because I want people to, to see what goes in the planning of a police funeral so it is seen as, I think that's my phone. That's so, you this yeah. time. Yep. It's probably Jamie saying, so don't says, open the letter. I know it, Jamie. I'm doing it. Uh, it says, confidential, serious injury, death information, Christopher Robert Swanson. Uh, this information that you provide in this form will be used only in the event of serious injury or death. Please take time to fill it out accurately because the data will be of extreme comfort to your family, the sheriff's office, and fulfilling your wishes. It puts my address and family information. Spouse's name, Jamie L. Swanson. Um sons Riley and Jordan uh, name two or more officers in the command staff that you would like to perform the death notification include their home address work numbers and cell phones this is getting me choked up because the two guys that I chose and I hope they watch this uh, Dave Dwyer and Casey Tafoya if something happened to me I'd want you to tell my family page two is there anyone that you would like contacted to assist your family and assist with funeral arrangements related matters not listed above? This person should be knowledgeable of your concerns, your life insurance representatives, your location. And uh, I put Dave Dwyer again. Additional information, please list any preferences you may have regarding your funeral arrangements. I wrote the funeral home that uh, I chose and the church I wish to be laid out and the cemetery where I wish to be buried, which is at the police memorial monument at Flint Memorial Park. And it says, um, please list any memberships of law enforcement, religious community organizations may provide assistance. And uh, there's a great motorcycle group out there called the Patriot Guard. And uh, they give honor to fallen soldiers, Marines, airmen, seamen, Coast Guard. And I'm good friends with them. I wanted them to lead it and uh, have the Flint Scottish Pipe Band there. Please list any person you would like to be contacted as representative in case of injury or death and the first person you want to be notified. And I wrote, of course, Jamie. It says, do you have a will uh, or living trust? I said, yes, in the attorney's office. But here's this. Here's the thing that uh, probably means the most. Are there any special requests or directions you like following your death? And the reason I'm reading this is because I want the reality that we are all going to die. We're all going to die of either disease or trauma. Nobody beats this. Nobody dies of old age. And if you can make those that you're leaving behind more comforted, uh, especially in a, in, a, in a field that is very likely to have a violent death, then it's, it's, I consider it you are doing your duty as a male, female, mom, dad, husband, and wife. Um, I want my funeral to be a huge celebration. Live music, drums, singing, video pics. I want an incredible gospel message delivered with passion. I want it to be unique. Riley can play the drums. Dinner should be consisting of pizza, apple crisp, and 2% milk. Know this, and this is my statement. I, gotta re I, I can't do this one, man. This is, this is my statement, but I, I wrote this. I don't know. Should I do it, bro? I wrote this in 
2012. So I wrote this uh, nine years ago. Uh, I'm going to do it because I want the message to be put out there that this is how I, why I take it so personal of what I do and why I go a thousand miles an hour. And this is why I travel and, and this is it. So <clears throat> uh, I said, know this. I love my life. I've had so much given to me at such a young age. I worked hard, dream big, and I love the Lord. I love my wife, my boys. You got to read the rest, bro. I can't. <clears throat> I'll start it over from the beginning. Know this. I loved my life. I had so much given to me at such a young age. I worked hard. I dreamed big. And I loved the Lord. I love my wife. And I love my boys beyond description. They put up with my schedule and new projects. Uh, we're a great, f uh, what is this? We're a great family. Uh, this is tough, man. Um, I love you and can't wait to see you again. Uh, live for the Lord and serve him with everything you got. Love me. And then it's the smiley face. Um, I, I don't like that you guys have to do this. You know, I, especially getting to know you over the months that we've been working on these things. Like, I know you're a good man, you know, and, and I know your heart. And to have to put something out there like this, I think it's the first time I've seen you choked up, like the first time I've seen your hands, like, trembling reading this letter, uh, because it's real for you. And we shared in an episode yesterday how um, personal you take the job. You don't take Flint policing as Flint policing you take it as they're talking about Chris Swanson and and I found it interesting how for you there's very little separation between Chris Swanson the man and Chris Swanson the sheriff and and so I know how genuine you are about this letter and and that's as much as you feel like you know, you want your funeral to be a celebration. And, and of course, that speaks to exactly who you are, because you said the same thing that led to the walk with us thing, that I want this to be yeah. a celebration. And it, it really shows who you are. But it, it, it sheds some real light on the realities of the job that you all have. And, and I don't know, man, this is tragic, honestly. Like, it's, it's like a... a a beautiful tragedy that someone has written this at a stage in their life where death shouldn't even be in consideration like for me I, I do not consider death at any stage in my life right now I go into things where I'm like I'm good I'll make it back home no problem but but for you all you work in a job where it's like yeah, I might not make it home tomorrow and so open this and, and read this if that's the case and if there's plenty of other officers that have letters like that, I don't. I feel like if I were going into your profession, the moment that this became a reality and I had to start writing this letter, I think I would second guess the job. I really would. I just want people out there listening that, man, this is a great field. And you've got men and women that, that they're willing to do this and... Um, uh, and, and not ask anything in return. And, and when things go sideways and, and bad decisions are made, just think of these people. This is, this, I hope nobody elevates me to a position of, uh, 
of uh, superiority because of this letter. It's just an example to humanize the field of policing. It's the most fascinating job on the planet. And, and you're right, when I wrote it, you're talking 2012, nine years. So, I mean, I was in my 30s and uh, my boys were you're young. And uh, we get in such a pace where we're go, go, go. You know, I'm the sheriff and I'm doing this or doing that. But that that actually gut checked me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't get choked up. Yeah. But I get choked up now because it, it means more to me now than it did back in 12. Oh, because there's so much more on the line. And I want every cop out there to write their own letter and 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 be proud of what you do and proud enough to do it the very best you've ever done before. Yeah. And that people out there don't judge the single cop incidents as that's what they're all like. Don't say abolish people like this that write letters to their family before they're even dead. Yeah before they get murdered on the street or get hit by a car or get electrocuted or burn in a fire. Um, the field is a great field and the people who serve are true heroes. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of true heroes, I know that probably the only other profession where people probably have letters like that or at least consideration like that it's the military yeah. it's law enforcement and the military people that serve this country in a way where it's it's selfless right it's uh, it, it's where they feel like i'm going into battle to protect the innocent you guys do it on a daily basis with your job men and women in the military do it as as a profession as well and and it seems so thankless i feel like so many people thank and honor the military but they shame and spit on law enforcement and mm. and that's that's a really difficult thing because the the parallels they're they're very similar in the selflessness that it takes to do the job and so i think that's why this episode being uh about making it home safely is so that this letter hopefully never gets opened because you live on into old age and you retire from policing because you're an old man who has slowed down mm -hmm. i don't even think you'll slow down as an mm -hmm. old man but you get what I'm saying, I hear you. right? I hear you. And so let's hope that that never gets open. Let's hope that we're 90 years old mm -hmm. doing this episode, talking about the videos yeah. that we see that are still happening at that time. And hopefully it's a completely different role between police right. and, and community um, by then. So I just want to humanize it. And uh, I know that by going home, it's not just us. And uh, I know we're at the end of our episode, but... Um, when we talked about building the show out, you brought yet another bombshell yeah. that I have to accept that it's not just us. Absolutely. And uh, I want people to listen as uh, my final thoughts are, um, I hope that this episode humanizes cops, yeah. that we are more than just what you see on a video or bad decisions from people that are such a small percentage of who they are that you still have faith and hope and trust in those that protect, serve, and unify. Yeah, absolutely. But there's other people who need to be brought home safe, too. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so we shared in the last episode where I closed that episode um, where I had mentioned just make it home safely. But in that episode, I wasn't referring to police. I was referring to black boys, black young men, black older men 
just make it home safely. And it's because in the same way that you have this letter because you feel like your profession puts you in jeopardy and men and women in the military, the work that they do puts them in jeopardy. And I had ended that last episode where I didn't really get to talk about the talk that as a black father that I already give to my young children at an age where, hey, if you have interactions with the police, here are some steps that I need you to take to make sure that you make it home safely to me. And and it's unfortunate because a lot of other racial groups in this country, that doesn't even cross their mind. And so the same way for you, it's a profession. For men and women in the military, it's a profession. But for us, it's our lives. It's our children's lives. I need you to make it home safely to me. I don't need you riding around doing things with your friends that you shouldn't be doing. I don't need you acting out if you get stopped by an officer, regardless of any aggression that is uh, um, directed towards you by that officer. Just make it home to me. That's mm-hmm. the and, and part of the talk are the steps to get them there. And, and that doesn't eliminate the fact that there's this expectation of the officers in how they approach our sons and, and our daughters, but especially our sons, because as we shared in the vi- that video in the beginning where I said, is that same grace or is that same mercy afforded to our children in instances like that? And I think we could all say the answer is no. There's no way that a young black man is getting anywhere close to what we saw in that video before his life is stopped short. And, and so that lesson that we teach our, our children Aside from let's let's hope and pray that you get stopped by an officer that's like you that I know would treat all people with mm-hmm. respect, all people with dignity. But that's not always the case. I know. And so sometimes when the officer is the aggressor to teach our children not to try and match that level of aggression, I just need you to make it home safe. And I would challenge every cop out there not to be that person not to be the person that causes a dad like Ken to have that conversation, but yet have a conversation that says, now listen, you can trust police officers. Police officers are good people. They protect us. And even if you don't like what they're doing, just know that they're looking out for you. Be that person instead of being the one that we were warned about. That's not who we are. We protect people from the wolf. Absolutely. We're not the wolves. This is probably one of my best episodes, man. Thank you. I completely agree. I'll see you next time. Awesome.